Bibles, and I hope you do, do, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3 for the scripture reading. And Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to read Proverbs 3, 1 through 20. Proverbs 3, 1 through 20. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute or success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For it is, its profit is better than the profit of silver and its gain than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth, by understanding... He established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We know that as we read it and as we hear it read and as we hear it preached, it is you speaking to us. Lord, Christ is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our everything. May we be wise, and be doers of the word that we are about to hear. Make us wise in your Son and by your Spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, I'm glad you're here. And I want to talk about time. 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 I mean, these are crazy times. Are you, I mean, this, just looking out and seeing this, this is crazy times. Have you felt like during the pandemic, time has slowed way down? I mean, during lockdown, Gwen and I were regularly asking, what day is it today? When is it? But it also seems like time is speeding up at times. It's almost like since March, we have been in the twilight zone. And then in the meantime, I mean, think about in the future, 
The whole world is going to have time before the pandemic, and there's going to be a time after the pandemic. Can I get an amen for the after part, okay? There will be an after to this. But in the meantime, we think about the social distancing. We think about wearing masks. We have anxiety about the future, school opening up or not opening up, what events are going to happen, what events are not going to happen. We've got the election looming over us in November. But here's the question in the midst of all of us, all of this, and it's this. What are you and I doing with our time? And would God say we were being wise with our use of our time? Does anybody here struggle with time management? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Struggle with time management? Well, let me just say this. Even the best time manager here in this auditorium this morning may not be using their time wisely from God's perspective. And so this is part of a series that I've been teaching online uh, on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And it's called Surrender. Wisdom's Path to Success. So if you want to hear those previous lessons or, or uh, follow them, you can see them on the website, you can see them on our Facebook page, or on the iTunes podcast. But this message stands alone, and I just want to challenge you from this passage and, and others to choose wisely by surrendering your time to the Lord this morning. Now, if wisdom, and it is, according to Proverbs, is seeing life from God's perspective and acting accordingly, then if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then wise time management begins with a fear of the Lord that seeks to see time from his perspective. So you can go to all the how-to books. You can get all the latest ways to be efficient with your time. But if we fail to see time from God's perspective, then we will not be using our time wisely. And so I want to uh, let us see in this passage in Proverbs, I mean, time is introduced to us in verse 2. It's introduced. The surrendered life is given added time. But notice, time is interwoven through this entire chapter. In verse 6, the surrendered life is rewarded with a straight path in the coming days of the future. In verse 10, the surrendered life will reap what it sows at some time in the future. In verse 16, time is again lengthened and made more prosperous or successful. Verse 18, we see time as eternity future in the word picture of the tree of life. In verses 19 through 20, we see time beginning in eternity past when God created all things by his wisdom. In verses 23 and 25, we see the rhythm of time in daily living, nightly sleeping, and then the unexpected that interrupts that rhythm. And then we see in verses uh, 27 and 28, we see time in terms of doing good today and not putting off until tomorrow. And then the last verse, verse 35, look at it in your Bibles. We see time in terms of the future legacy you leave behind after you die. Look at verse 35. The wise will inherit honor, but fools 
display dishonor. Listen, time is interwoven throughout this passage. And God wants to help you this morning to surrender your time to him today. So we're going to learn how to surrender our time to be a success in God's eyes. And I want to show you two things. One, we need to see time from God's perspective. And two, I'm going to give you four simple ways to begin to surrender your time on a daily basis. So let's dive in. God view, let's see time from God's perspective. And the first thing I want you to see is that God views time differently than us. Differently than us. Now, why is that? It's because God is eternal and his view of time is eternal. So let's think about that. Here's a familiar verse, 2 Peter 3.8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Now, you're probably familiar with that verse, but you may not know that he's borrowing it from Psalm 90 and a prayer of Moses. Here's what Psalm 90, 1 through 4 says. You want to turn there in your Bible, Psalm 90, 1 through 4. Lord, Moses prays, you have been a dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday. And when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. A watch in the night typically takes three hours. So he's saying... Look, it's not a thousand years for 24 hours. It can even be like a thousand years compared to three hours. Wow. Why is that? It's because, first of all, God himself is eternal. God himself is eternal. Now, it's impossible for us time-bound creatures to get a handle on that, but that's what God himself reveals to us in the Bible. I just read it. Even... From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The early church fathers taught that the God of the Bible is not limited by time, but transcends time. God is external to time and is timelessly eternal. Matthew Barrett, in his book, None Greater, a great book on the attributes of God, says this, He is not a God of change as if he had a past and a future. This God is timelessly eternal, insusceptible to the change that comes with being in time. Time is fraught with limitations, and being in time is a being bound by all the characteristics of time, change, composition, dependency, impotence, but a perfect being can have no such limitations because he is, by definition of being perfect, infinite in nature. Now, we don't have to take Matthew Barrett's word for that. All throughout the Bible, God is revealed as eternal. Here's just some of the verses. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God, the one who is high and lifted up, Psalm says, inhabits eternity. 
The Apostle Paul calls him the immortal God in Romans 1. The eternal God in Romans 16. And he calls Jesus the only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality in 1 Timothy 6. The Apostle John addresses the seven churches in Asia by saying, Grace to you and peace from him who was and who is and who is to come. And then God himself says to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God himself is eternal. And because he is, secondly, God's view of time is eternal. God's view of time is eternal. He not only sees all of your life as one whole, he sees all of time as one whole. He rules over it and he sees it. One church father, uh, Thomas Aquinas, put it this way, the great I am just is. Time free and forever so. It is true of eternity and it's true of God. He exists as an instantaneous whole Lacking successiveness. Time, you know, God doesn't say, wow, that moment passed quickly. He doesn't look at his watch and say, what's going to happen? He sees it all as a whole. Now, right now, your mind ought to be blown, okay? That just, that's way beyond us, but it's what God wants us to see. God's view of time is eternal. And so a thousand years, Moses said, is like three hours of a security guard watching uh, being on night duty. Now, listen, think about that. If a thousand years is equal to three hours, and according to Psalm 90, the average lifespan is 70 years, you know what that means? That means a 70-year lifetime, which is a full long life, is like 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Okay? In other words, your life would already be over at this point in this sermon. Okay, that, that's 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 a thousand years just went by in God's estimation. And yet he is from everlasting to everlasting. Listen, let me just say time begins with seeing time from God's perspective, a perspective that only he has as the eternal God. Wouldn't it be wise to listen to what he says about time management if he has that view of time? Are you with me? That view of time. We need to listen to what God has to say. Now, here's the thing. God's view of time is so radically different, he sees it as eternity. Well, that means, too, that God is the ultimate time manager. He's the ultimate time manager. And and why is that? Well, let me give you three reasons. First of all, the eternal God created time. He Created time. We see this in Proverbs 3. Look at verses 19 and 20. The Lord, by his wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. In Genesis 1, God not only created everything by his spoken word, But when he separated night from darkness and when he set the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky, God created time. 
Not only that, but the eternal God rules time. Because he created time, he rules time. Look again in Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. God can add to our time. He can lengthen your days. And he can make those longer days and those longer years and that longer life filled with joy, satisfaction, and peace. Look down at verse 16 in chapter 3. Long life is in her wisdom's right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honors. Listen, God can add to time, and God can subtract time. Think about Hezekiah in the Old Testament. God added 15 years to his life. God can do that. He can lengthen your life, and he can bring it to an end. God can speed up time. God can slow down time because he rules time. Think again in the Old Testament. God actually caused the sun to stand still so that Israel would have longer to defeat God's enemies. Now, people, a lot of people don't believe that. They don't understand how that's possible. They're going to say that's, that's impossible. But God rules time. And he created it. And then God manages time, history, and eternity. He created it. He rules it. And the eternal God manages time, history, and eternity. Listen, I want you to know that God is the ultimate time manager. And he knows what he's doing with the time of your life. You may be thinking this morning, my time's running out. Time is passing me by, but it isn't. You are not stuck in a time warp, although it may seem like that at times. The Bible says your times are in God's hands. Psalms 31, 14 through 15 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Job, in Job 14, 1 through 2, and verse 5 says this, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits He cannot succeed. Listen, despite how you might feel about time, God wants us to know that he fashioned it for our good and his glory. In fact, he has ordained special seasons to pass over us that have eternal consequence. I like what this one man said, God controls the clock of our life. Amen? That's good news, and it's good to know that. God the Father created time. God the Son came at the right time to redeem humanity. And God the Spirit dwells in his people so that we can redeem the time. So the first thing I wanted you to see is to see time from God's perspective. He's eternal. He views time as eternal. And we need to listen to him on how to properly manage the moments of our days. Listen, you can entrust to him your time 
because he created it, rules over it, and he will manage it well. Now, for the rest of our time, I want to give you four simple ways to surrender your time for God's purposes. And so we're going to take the uh, acronym TIME, and I'm going to give you four simple ways. Here's the T in TIME. Theologize your time. Theologize your time. You say, what does theologize mean? Well, theology is the study of God and his relationship to the world that he rules over. And we've already seen that time is related to God and he rules over it. And so to theologize your time is to relate your time to the rule of God. In other words, surrender your time to God's rule over your entire life. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is what it means to theologize your time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in every moment, in every hour, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. That is theologizing your time. You're living it in the fear of God. He is your divine GPS so that you are always located and you always relate what is happening in your life to his rule over your life. In fact, I would put forth to you that Matthew 6.33 is probably the most foundational time management principle you could have. Listen to Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's the idea? We think of that in terms of finances, but it applies to your time. All right, give God the first part of your time, and he will add what you need to the rest of it. See, we think, if I put God first, I don't have time for that. Or it's going gonna, it's gonna to rob me of time. No, put God first in your day and your week and God will add to your time. You know, it's Martin Luther that said, I've got so much to do today, I better get up early and pray for three hours. Why? Because he knew God would make him more productive. I'm not saying you got to pray for three hours, okay? I didn't get up and pray for three hours. That's not the point. The point, though, is putting him first. Now, let me give you two ways to prioritize your time around God. The first is make Sunday worship a priority in your week. Make Sunday worship a priority in your week. You know Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and you're probably thinking, I would love to make it a priority. I've only just now been allowed to do it. Amen. And I am glad you are here, and we need to overcome the obstacles in getting here. And we can't let the social distancing, we can't let wearing masks, not wearing masks, we can't let life not being like we don't want it hinder us from putting God in the first of our week. Now, listen. This God is testing us in this area during this pandemic. And please hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about people that are are due to health compromise, not able to come in person. I'm not talking about in person or online. I'm just talking about making it a priority to worship the Lord in person or online if that's what you need. I hope during this pandemic 
You have grown in your love and commitment to gathering for corporate worship. Did you miss it? Are you still missing it? Are you longing for that time when we can hug and shake hands and do the one another's without masks and practice the one another's? Yes, yes, yes. These are hard times, but it's nothing that God's church hasn't been through in the past and will not probably go through in the future. The question we must all ask in our hearts is whether or not we seek God first in our week by making Sunday worship a heart priority. It's the heart that is the issue. Listen, pandemic or not, Sunday is still the Lord's Day. I always think of Revelation chapter 1 where John, the Apostle John, is persecuted and he's on the island of Patmos. He's all alone, separated by a sea from the seven churches that he helped lead. And yet it says John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, Sunday. Listen, when we come and make Sunday, recognize that as the Lord's Day, we're saying to myself, I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to you as a church, I'm saying to my co-workers and our neighbors, I'm saying that God is the Lord of my life, and therefore I give Him the Lord's Day. Amen? Also, Sunday is the first day of the new creation. Did you ever wonder why in the book of Acts... Everything happens, all seven significant events happen on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Why did the Lord raise on Sunday? Because it was a new creation. And what does that mean? That means people who are new creations in Christ want to gather on the first day of the week, Sunday, to celebrate what the Creator has done through the new creation. Listen, Monday may be the first day of the week for the world, but for the new creation, it's Sunday. But there's another way to put God first and theologize your time. Make spending time with God a priority in your day. Make spending time with God a priority in your day. Listen, listen, folks, and this is important. Sunday isn't the only day we worship. It's the first day of every day we worship. Are you with me? It's the first day of every day. And so what does that mean? It means simply that we should be like Jesus. After the busiest day of his recorded ministry, Jesus rose early to spend time alone with his heavenly father. Now, I don't know about me, you, but I know about me, that if I had had the busiest day in my ministry life, I would have said, Lord, I served you yesterday. I'm sleeping in. Can I hear? I mean, are, are, am I the only unspiritual carnal guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. But do you know what Jesus did? He got up early and went off to a place where he could be alone to recharge his spiritual batteries. Listen, a, a, a pastor friend of mine is always encouraging other pastors, to give their mornings to God. And I've already told you about Martin Luther, who said, today's so busy, I'm going to have to get up 
and pray for three hours. Listen, I'm not telling you when to get up. I'm not telling you how long to spend time in prayer. What I'm telling you is this. When you study the pages of the Bible and when you study the ages of church history, anyone who lived a surrendered life put God first on a daily basis and made spending time in his presence a priority every day. The T in time is to theologize your time. But then we need to I. The I in time is itemize. Itemize your time. Listen, time waits for no one. Is that a song? It sounds like it. I don't know. But listen to Psalm. Uh, We were in Psalm 90. Turn there to Psalm 90 again. I want you to turn to Psalm 90 again. We've already read verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 90. For a, verse 4 says, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Look at verse 5. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Verse 10. Drop down to verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their lifespan is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear, remember wisdom, the fear of you? And then look at verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know what he just told us to do there? Number our days. Itemize your days. Let me give you three reasons why you should number your days. Now, he's already told us it makes us wise, and people who fear the Lord do this. But let me give you three practical reasons. First of all, it gives you sense of urgency. When you remember how few days you have to live, it gives you a sense of urgency. Now, I I love reading. I'm a bibliophile, and I I love reading. So I read about 25, 50 books a year, and I try to keep track of them. I don't do that every year, but I'm back on a jag where I do that. And so one day it occurred to me, I wonder how many books I I have left to read in my life. And if I live to 80, I have less than 2,000 books left to read in my life. The day I figured that up, I was sad. I was depressed. I was like, wow, there's only so many books. But then you know what I said? I said, I better choose wisely what books I read and what books I don't read because I don't have an unlimited time. And that was kind of my assumption. I'm just going to keep reading. I can read what I want, read as much as I want. doesn't matter what I read. Same thing when you itemize your time. Listen, when you think about numbering your days, we don't have forever, and you begin to wisely decide, I have time for this, I don't have time for this. That is a foolish spending of my time. That is a wise spending of your time. It gives you a sense of urgency. Number two, it gives you a sense of dependency. Time is running out, folks. I will never be able to do everything God wants me to do in the time that I have left to do it in my own power. I need to number my days so I have a sense of dependency. God, help me. 
Help me to do and spend my time that is wisely will glorify you, will reach the most people possible and do the most good for you that I could possibly do. Listen, he's infinite. I'm finite. He's eternal. I'm temporary. I need to depend on the Lord and therefore I need to itemize my days. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Apart from me, you you can do... Nothing. But the reality is, you can do a lot of things apart from Christ. What he's saying is, you can't do anything of eternal value. So, it's a sense of dependency. And then thirdly, it gives us a sense of accountability. When you itemize or number your days, it will give you a sense of accountability. What comes after life? Where will you, you and I spend eternity? If you died, listen to me, beloved. If you died right now, where will you spend eternity? Listen, today is the day to be 100% sure that if you died at this moment, you would enter into the presence of God. And if he said, why should I let you into my heaven? You would clearly be able to say, because I have trusted in your son alone for my salvation and forgiveness. Listen, Hebrews 9 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes the judgment, the accountability, the answering for how we have spent our lives, which includes how we have spent our time. So the T in time, theologize your time. The I in time, itemize your time. The M in time is maximize, maximize your time, maximize your time. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and this alone could be a whole lesson, but I, I just want you to look at these verses and think about what it says. Ephesians five fifteen through 18. Ephesians five fifteen through 18. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. And what do wise people do? Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Don't waste your life in debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Some Bibles say, take advantage of every opportunity. Others say, make the most of your time. Others say, make the most of every opportunity. Maximize your time. Let me give you, out of this verse, four essentials. We're not going to go into these in depth, but you you see them in these, these verses I just read. First of all, be alert. Be alert. Look carefully how you walk. Listen. Be alert to what you're doing with your time. Now, let's be on Again, this is kind of like a confessional sermon, I guess, huh? How many, how many of you have uh, got on your phones and said, I'm just going to check, check uh, you know, Facebook or Snapchat or, uh, or Instagram. I'm just going to check it for a minute. And you came up for air an hour later. 
Okay, we have one honest person. How many liars are in there? Yeah, yeah we, listen, this is just what happens, right? Be alert to how you're spending your time. Because I'm telling you, I'm this way. I mean, one minute you can, you can think you're doing something, and, and it's like anything. It's like a budget. Listen, if you budget your time like you budget your money, you realize I spend more than what I think I am. And I'm wasting more time than what I realize I am. Be alert. Number two, be wise. And I'm not going to say much there. He says, he says in this, look, you've got to see time from God's perspective. Number three, be fed. It says, be understanding what the will of the Lord is. Hey, folks, how are you going to ever know God's will if you're not in God's word? If you're going to maximize your time, you've got to see time from God's perspective, which means you've got to be fed by the word of God. And number four, be led. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. It says be filled with the Spirit. So listen, if you're going to maximize your time for the glory of God and for the good of others and for your own joy... You need to theologize your time. You need to itemize your time. You need to maximize your time. And to do that, you've got to be alert, wise, word-fed, and spirit-led. And you know what happens when you do that? The E in time is energize. Energize your time. Listen, when we surrender our time to the Lord, and when we take these four simple steps in light of eternity and the eternal God who created time, rules time, and manages time, when we surrender our time to Him, He will energize our lives. Amen? And you know what the rest of Ephesians 5 says? It says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts with the Lord, in, to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always and in everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence. That's energized living, and we just made a big circle. Because you know what he's saying there? Theologize your time. We went from putting Sunday first and God first on each day of the week and we itemized our time and we maximized our time by being alert, being wise, being fed and being led. And then what happens? God energizes our time and then we want to come back and, and, and get excited for God. It's interesting in the parallel passage, Colossians three sixteen through 17, Paul says this, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness to your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is energized living. But then it's interesting, he goes on in Colossians 4, 5 through 6, and he says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And then he uses that same phrase, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Do you realize what he's just telling us here? He's saying this, energized living 
seeks to worship God with his people and witness for God to the to the lost. Listen, redeeming the time means putting God first, but it also means doing the one thing in this time that you will not be able to do in eternity, and that is being a witness to the lost. Make the most of the opportunity you have now. Every time I read this quote by John Piper, I get convicted. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Not being in the Word is not from a lack of time. Not loving God and others is not from a lack of time. Not witnessing to the loss is not from a lack of time. Listen, this pandemic has interfered with our time and it's interrupted our plans, but God has managed it all. Okay? Maybe in your own life you feel like a failure this morning. Maybe you feel like you've blown it and you have wasted so much time for God that you might as well give up this morning. Maybe you're afraid God is finished with you. And I want to tell you, time waits for no one. God wants you to come to him, kneel down, surrender your life, surrender your time, and then get up and march forward into the future. Listen. There's a reason why you can believe that. It's because the Bible says something happened before time ever began. And what happened before time began was Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God, was offered before the foundations of the world to provide redemption and to provide forgiveness that we sang about earlier to tell us that no one is so lost they can't be found, no one is so sinful they can't be forgiven, and now is the time to let the ultimate time manager redeem you and your time. He's the one for whom time exists. He's wisdom wrapped in flesh. At the center of human history, he gives time, its context, and meaning. And that means if you are in Christ this morning, you are saved by his work, and he gives your life meaning, and God's purpose can be fulfilled in the time that you have left. You say, Chris, I don't know how much is left. That's right. Live today as as if it is your last, because it could be. And then live confidently, risking for the kingdom, because you know your future and your eternity is secure in him. You see, the good news is you don't have to be a perfect time manager. You don't have to be a perfect anything. None of us are. Christ is the perfect one. Christ is the one who manages all things perfectly. And the good news is that he did it for us, so that he can do it through us. But you've got to surrender yourself this morning. And so let me, in closing, really uh, point you again to Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7, because that's really the gospel is Proverbs 3, 
5, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not lean on your own understanding or your own works or your own time management ability. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Theologize, itemize, maximize, and be energized. And He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. That's the gospel. That is the gospel this morning. And so I challenge you to do this. Surrender yourself to the Lord this morning. His blood will cover your sins, past, present, and future. Amen? And His Spirit will empower you to live one day at a time in the present. And His sovereignty secures your future so that you can surrender your time to Him. Let's do that right now. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and do that. Father in heaven, we come and we do. We surrender ourselves to you. And if anyone here has never done that in such a way that they forsook whatever they were trusting him to tr- trusting in for anything really in life, to trust you totally. To turn from besetting sin and ask for your deliverance. Ask for your forgiveness. Ask for your spirit to give us a new heart and make us a new creation. But Father, it doesn't stop. Surrender isn't a one-time surrender. It's a continual surrender. And so Father, I pray each of us would again renew our commitment to spend our time by surrendering it to you, to do, to buy up the opportunity, to redeem the time, not only to make your people and your praises a priority, but to make reaching the lost our priority as well. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.